You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I want to uh, continue on with some of the questions. I don't know how many there are, so this is either going to be another Q&A episode or there's going to be one question, and then we'll just see what fate has in store for us, which is really just a foofy way of saying I'm going to make it up on the fly. Before we get into all that goodness, be sure to check out some of the uh, links in the description. We got uh, some merchandise, several ways to support the channel if you're so interested. One of those ways, by the way, is patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. I mentioned that I was going to be uploading my GM ranking stuff. Well, I did it. It's done. Um, I mean, it's not done because with me being so crazy about stuff, I, I just, as soon as I figure it out, it's like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. It's like, no, wait, but then that doesn't account for this. So what I did is I uploaded the GM rankings based on their 2018 draft. And I think there are 12 different criteria that you can sort it by. And I did my best to organize it and give descriptions for each one so that you can figure out which one is the best. Because there's all, I mean, so, okay, you could just take all their grades and add it up and say, who has the highest number? That's sort of the most raw way to look at it. The problem is I'm trying to figure out who the best GM is and who drafted the best. So I'd like to take into account, for example, how many picks you had what the value of those picks were. So, I mean, it's not fair if somebody has six first-round draft picks and somebody has one seventh-round pick to say, oh, looks like the guy with six first-round picks is the better GM. No. that's It's almost impossible for the guy with the one set. So, right, you start tweaking it that way. Well, then if you just base it on the grades that they had, the problem is what if somebody had like an 86.6 grade, which is awesome, but they only played 10 snaps? or 50 snaps, or 100 snaps, and you got somebody else that's got like an 80 grade, or a 75 grade, but they played like 1,050 snaps. What is the value to the team of that? Then there's the question of, what if you draft a quarterback, and he doesn't play? Are we supposed to say that's a bad pick? What if somebody's injured? What if you get somebody like Cole Mattis? So then do you want to just take away the people that didn't contribute? It kind of depends, because sometimes it's not the GM's fault. Sometimes it is because the guy just went to another team because you cut him because he's trash. And because I'm not going to go case by case, I just added another thing that says minimum of 100 snaps so that you can kind of sort it however you want. And the bottom line is you can kind of sort it across the spectrum to get an idea of what it is that Gutekunst did well and what he didn't. If you look at it from this kind of angle with your eyes squinted, he did a decent job. If you look at it any other way, it was not a good year. I also decided, because I can't stop, to add stud rankings. So to each of the subcategories, well, there's it's hard to explain. There's like two main categories, and then each main category has like four subcategories, whatever. Or two, whatever. There's like four, I don't know. There's four stud categories, and the stud category essentially is, did you find a stud? And a stud is defined by anybody that had an 80 or higher grade. Brian Gutekunst had zero, unless you adjust for value of the pick and then he had one stud but lots of stuff in there anyways you can find that on patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy and what i did and this is a heads up for all my patrons out there 
I put it in the $5 tier because what I want to start doing is $1 donation is a thumbs up. Thank you very much for your support. $5 is going to be that tier where you can kind of get after stuff, see all these things that I'm uploading. I don't know if I've been doing that. I don't think so. If you have been giving $1 and you have access to something, make sure you download it right now because I'm about to up those all up to the $5 tier. Just a heads up. Otherwise, be sure to get into the Facebook group, NFLBigBoard.com. Again, I've got the 2020 board up there. I'm going to kind of let that sit for a while just because I'm burned out on constantly updating it. And there's not a whole lot of great content as far as big boards. A lot of NFL Big Board is made up of mock drafts, which is just not the way I want to do this, but hey. Uh, if you'd like to call in to get something off your chest or ask a question, 608-501-0718, 608-501-0718. Finally, if you're planning on getting PFF, well, kind of finally, um, use the link that I have in the description here. It's an affiliate link, kind of. I didn't ask for one. They just keep emailing me about it. It's like, all right, I guess I'll throw that in my thing. Speaking of PFF, five-star rating and review on iTunes. Send me a link to it. Once we get to 200 reviews, we are officially 30 away, which I think we're a little less because I've seen some people send me reviews and that number just doesn't move. And last time that happened, it like jumped up 16. So we'll see. But uh, we've got about 30 more and then I'll be giving away a PFF uh, Edge subscription. And I'm kind of hoping we get it done soon because I have something in mind where once we get to 200, the next one is going to be a big one. And I'm going to make it very hard to achieve, but I'm going to put it in your hands to do it. I'm thinking about giving away a PFF Elite subscription, which is like over $200. It's very, very expensive, so I'm going to make it very hard to attain. But the point is, it's probably going to be, if we get to this mark before the season starts, then I'll give a PFF Elite subscription away. The longer it takes to get this 200 you know, mark passed up, the more impossible it's going to be to get to the, you know, I don't know, I'll probably set it at like 400 just to make it really hard. Because I'd be scared. <laughs> I'd be scared it gets done in like a week. And then it's like, oh, no. But just a heads up where my head's at. All right, we'll take a little break. And then I'll get to uh, voicemail slash Facebook group questions, comments, thoughts. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So the only voicemail I have that I didn't get to that is um, not you know too old to reference at this point is from Andy. And it was a comment, not a question. He said, based on the Packers' selection of Darnell Savage in the first round, the Green Bay Packers now have a better starting safety duo than the Chicago Bears. Have a great day. Bye. Obviously, I've been pretty high on Darnell Savage. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knows what's going to happen. But I think I think it's very possible for several reasons. 
I mean, the, the the most obvious, and I've been saying this is sort of a theme, the Bears are continuing to get a little bit worse, the Packers got a lot better, and the safety position kind of exemplifies that. Not only did they get worse, but one of the main reasons they got worse is losing Adrian Amos, and he went to the Packers. So it's just a direct one-to-one, they got worse, we got better. Now, they did add HaHa, which is going to give them a little bit of a boost over, you know, who they had. Not over Amos, because I don't think he's as good as Amos but just a boost over what they had previously. And actually, I'm not even entirely sure how true that is because Dion Bush was looking pretty good. I mean, it was kind of a random spike, and I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical of all those random spikes by the Bears, which happened to basically the entire defense, because again, a lot of these spikes were sort of unsustainable spikes, and they lost their defensive coordinator. So I tend to think that's all going to kind of taper off a little bit. But I think HaHa Clinton-Dix could have one of his better years this year, depending on how revitalized he is or if he just completely... Um, cashed it in. I don't really know. It's kind of up to him whether or not he's going to be able to come back. But, you know, one of the things that I had said about HaHa is that we need to not get rid of Tremont because HaHa kind of played terrible. That, that was like the first time we saw HaHa Clinton Dix wasn't playing well, right? He was a pro bowler. He was awesome. We were super excited to have him. Then all of a sudden, Morgan Burnett was hurt or whatever the situation was with him, and HaHa couldn't play football anymore. It's like, well, that's weird. Then there was talk about we're getting rid of Tremont, and most Packer fans were like, yeah, let's get rid of him. And I was like, no, we need him a lot. First of all, because we just have HaHa, and we kind of need a second guy. Second of all, HaHa Clinton Dix kind of needs Morgan Burnett to tell him what to do, because, you know, I don't know, he just does. Well, we get rid of Morgan Burnett, and then HaHa Clinton Dix was no good anymore. And then he goes to Washington, and he was even worse. But possibly in this defense, I mean, and it's hard to say that Eddie Jackson's going to be the guy. Because he's only going into his third year anyways. Haha, Clinton Dix technically has more, you know, under... And it's a new... So forget it. Never mind. I'm not even going to say that anymore. It's a new defensive coordinator. So what's Eddie Jackson going to be able to do to help Haha Clinton Dix along? Haha's a more veteran guy, and both of them have a new defensive coordinator and a new scheme. Beyond that, the, the talk that Eddie Jackson is by far the greatest safety in the NFL, blah, 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 blah. We, we know it guaranteed. Dude, in 2017, you know he wasn't very good? Eddie Jackson wasn't great. Now, he, I, I doubt he's going to be a bad football player. But again, this, this is the entire defense took a massive leap. Adrian Amos was, I think, the third best safety in the NFL in 2017. You know, back when Eddie Jackson was, I don't want to call him trash, but compared to being the number one safety, he was kind of trash. He had a PFF grade of average. Adrian Amos was not as, I mean, he was fine in 2018. He was good. He wasn't number one, two, three anymore. He had his spike and he tapered off. Eddie Jackson was a late-round guy for a reason. A lot of things fell into place. He did a lot of great things. He's a very good football player. I'm not trying to take any of that away, but the idea that he is hands down... And this is what happens with a lot of people all the time anyways. The recency bias, and then certain people say it, so then everybody has to say it, because if you don't say it, then you don't know it, and if you're not in the know, you're dumb. Well, guess what? I'm not afraid to be dumb. I don't care. I'm just looking at something going, that doesn't make sense. Was Eddie Jackson the best safety in the NFL last year? Yeah, probably. Do we know he's going to be that again? No, it's the same thing with Pat Mahomes. Every single year, there's a young stud who tears up the NFL. Every single year, everybody talks about how he's going to be the next great thing. And almost every single year, he falls off the next year. Again, I don't necessarily know that's going to happen because he did some crazy stuff, but we kind of know that it could happen. And it's the same thing with Eddie Jackson. He has physical limitations. He was a later-round guy. 
He had one big spike in a year when everybody on this defense had a massive spike. The defensive coordinator that created this spike, that also created, by the way, this arrow pointing straight up for every single player the entire time he's been there because this is a freakish defensive coordinator, is now the head coach of the Denver Broncos, and they have a new defensive coordinator. A guy whose track record is is okay. I, 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 I think it's impossible that the, the defense as a whole doesn't regress a little bit. And again, I'm not saying bad. What up, dance party? I'm in the middle of a rant. You got to cool it, man. You got you to time your, your dance parties a little bit here. They're not going to be bad, and they're probably still going to be better than the Packers, and that's fine. They've got some crazy talent, right? I think Roquan's going to get better. I've, I've been anti-Roquan the whole time. I've been talking about the Bears' defense is going to regress for a long time, but I'm, I'm just, again, I'm... I'm I'm just calling it like I see it, like I expect it to be. And again, calling Eddie Jackson the best safety in the NFL and saying that we know that he's going to be this freakish top five guy forever because he had one good year after a bad year and a year where everybody on this defense had a freakish spike well beyond their actual capacity, like Prince of Mukamura being like a top five corner. Give me a break. When is that ever going to happen? It will never happen again. It was this weird, crazy thing where everything just kind of went perfect for this defense. It was the perfect scheme. Fangio had all his perfect players in place, and that's not the case anymore. Fangio's gone. New scheme. They don't have their slot corner anymore. They don't really have that good of a pass rush outside of Khalil Mack. Still, they didn't have anybody in free agency that they added that's not straight trash. They actually traded up in the draft, so they lost draft capital. They added uh, but I mean, their, their draft was just kind of trash, man. If you look at it, it, just just look at the positions in general. And I love David Montgomery. That was the one guy I wanted. That was the Bears are the one team I didn't want to get David Montgomery. But they traded up to get him, and all they did was basically get kickers or uh, running backs, corners, and wide receivers. I mean, a team that had arguably one of the best DB groups in the NFL that really just needs to better their offense. What do they do? Well, they traded away a really good running back because their head coach just doesn't like him. They draft two running backs in David Montgomery and Kareth White. They had one of the best DB groups in the NFL, and then they decide they're going to draft Duke Shelley and uh, Stephen Denmark, sixth and seventh round corners, who are not going to be able to do anything except they might be able to play in the slot because their current slot corner, who the Bears fans seem to think is good, is garbage. And uh, Riley Ridley, who was never a very good wide receiver prospect, but this, you know, GM is obsessed with wide receivers, even though we're overpaying for every single wide receiver we have. He seems to realize that they're still kind of trash. And I don't know if it's the head coach that's like, hey, we really need some good wide receivers, or if it's pace that's just kind of, you know, I've, I've, I've talked up his draft prowess in the past. But the problem is, if you're too dumb to manage your team so that you have draft capital, right? And by the way, this uh, this entire collapse of a football team is thanks to Khalil Mack, in large part. Why didn't they have any draft picks? Why don't they have any money? Why is their salary cap going to completely implode? It's because they went out and got Khalil Mack. And it's, by the way, part of the reason why I'm glad we didn't get Khalil Mack. It's the, why, it's the reason why I said I never wanted Khalil Mack. Again, their defense doesn't have as good of a pass rush as the Packers, and I'm going to stand by that. I would rather have the Packers front than the Bears front. The Bears have... A couple guys that are good, mostly against the run, on the interior. They have one of the best pass rushers in the NFL on their team. The Packers, however, have a consistent group of guys all across that defensive line, as well as depth beyond depth. So they can bring consistent pressure from all along the offensive line, not just from one side of the offensive or defensive line, 
And they can do it consistently through four quarters because there's so much depth. The Bears chose a different route. So anyways, getting back to what I originally said, their defense isn't going to be as good because everything isn't just going to be working perfectly together, right? It's not just everybody just does their role. Eddie Jackson now is just a guy on a defense, and he's going to regress. And if you listen to Brett Coleman's uh, breakdown, um, which I think Sean Luke was the one that posted it in the Facebook group. I was about to, but he beat me to the punch. But he did a breakdown of the NFC North and their draft class. But he had said... Um, not only did he love Rashawn Gary, but he said Darnell Savage, he thinks, was extremely underrated. He compared him to Eddie Jackson, number one. But he also said, even though he had him in his mock going at 32, he really wanted to have uh, the Denver Broncos take him at pick 10. So just using somebody else's words now, because I've been talking up Savage for a long time, the idea that Savage would have a better career than Eddie Jackson is far from crazy. And again, the reason, you know, the fact that we assume that the Bears got a steal in Eddie Jackson in the fourth round or whatever it was, because he had his one good year, I just, look, haha, Clinton Dix is not as good as Amos. I don't know for sure that Eddie Jackson has a better year than Darnell Savage. It's entirely possible. He's going into year three. He knows what he's doing. He's been on this defense, even though it's a different scheme for a while. I would say it's a little bit of a stretch that Darnell Savage has a better year this year than Eddie Jackson, but I think Darnell Savage is going to go straight up, and I think he's going to have a better, long-term, more sustainable career than Eddie Jackson, who I think is going to be heading down, or at least is going to drop a little bit and then kind of level off. I think he's going to be a good safety, maybe even a very good safety, but I don't think he's going to maintain that top three, top five status for the remainder of his career. Now, if we talk about better overall defensive back group, I don't know. You probably have picked up on the fact that I'm skeptical of our defensive backs. However, I'm also skeptical of the Bears' defensive backs. Is Kyle Fuller better than and going to stay better than Jair? I don't know. He was better last year. But if Jair takes a step forward and Kyle Fuller takes a step back, Jair could be half a step ahead of him. The question comes down to the remaining corners. And Sherrick McManus and Prince of Mukamura had great years last year, and the Packers just don't have another guy. And we can hope and pray that Josh Jackson takes a step and Josh Jones can do something somewhere on the field. And and Kevin King, you know, the consensus among Packer fans is when he's healthy, he's elite, which I vehemently disagree with. But whatever. We'll see. Again, the the Packers are a very high potential team, but I don't want to play that hand a little too heavy. I would say it's going to be hard to compete with the Bears overall on the DB front. But if we look specifically at safeties, I'd say there's a good chance. There's also a very good chance that the Bears have a much better safety group, right? If I wanted to come at it from a pessimistic standpoint, I could say, well, Amos was only good because he was with the Bears on that defense. He's going to regress because he's over here with the Packers, and the Packers can't do anything on defense ever. It's just cursed. And Darnell Savage, we don't know anything. He's probably not going to be very good, especially in year one. He's overhyped, blah, blah, blah. So the idea that he's going to be better, that they're going to be better than the number one safety in the NFL, Eddie Jackson, and, you know, ha-ha, Clinton Dix, who's going to be much better coming over here playing next to Eddie Jackson, is crazy. And then again, Kyle Fuller, Prince of Mukamura, and Mukamura, and Sherrick McManus are much better than whatever corners that we can hobble together, who are going to come out there, and Jair's going to have a decent year, and that's going to be the end of that. So we can come at it from any front, right? Roquan is going to be much better than uh, Blake Martinez, even though he wasn't last year, because Roquan's more talented. And then Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman are basically on par with... Um, Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels, even though our guys can pass rush and their guys run defense, if we just want to look at overall, you could say that's a fair assessment. And they also have some depth in Bilal Nichols and Roy Robertson-Harris. Uh, Jonathan Bullard wasn't great, but he's got a lot of potential. 
And, of course, off the edge, Khalil Mack is better than anybody we have. So I, I, I can play devil's advocate, but I mean what I say. I just mean it with a caveat that I have no idea. And if 2018 Packers are basically 2019 Packers and 2018 Bears are basically 2019 Bears, it's just going to be, it's not even going to be close. If I had to put money down, which I would not want to because I'd be very scared to, I don't know, it's pretty even money, so I would probably just let my bias take over and, and say the Packers have a better secondary, or I'm sorry, a better safety group. I'm not doing better secondary. Especially, though, if you look at, at Savage and his, his playmaking, it's just, it's just a great fit. It almost reminds me of, and it's a different dynamic. I think that what, what the Chargers did, and that's sort of my comp that I'm going for here, was a little more split, right? Um, Derwin James is a better strong safety. He's obviously probably a better free safety than Amos as well. But if you look at it as, as a compliment to this guy who was just a massive, mauling smasher, I can't say smash. Smash is our guy. Basher, right? Thrasher, fireball, whatever. And then they go and get Nasir Adderley, who was just a straight-up free safety over the top. That's kind of what the Packers did. They've got this versatile piece that can kind of do both, but is, is going to be probably better up. I shouldn't say better. But he's going to be a, a safety that you can drop close to the line of scrimmage and feel good about it. And then we've got the guy roving over the top that not only has blazing fast speed, faster than anybody the Bears have, he's also a playmaker. He's got a nose for a ball, so the, the, the opportunities that are going to be there for him to get a bunch of takeaways and, and to really kind of exemplify. And you know, even if PFF doesn't agree, there's a good chance the national media is going to say the Packers have a better safety group because you know it's the flashy stuff that people like picks and pick sixes and tip balls and you know pass breakups and all that kind of stuff so long story short yeah i'll 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 buy that all right let's take a second break and uh, we'll jump back into it we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing but they also can be amazingly distracting especially when we're around other people so u.s cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five that's right a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I want to briefly talk about the the jersey number thing, because, I mean, first of all, who cares? But it seems to be a thing. First of all, I'm pretty sure Clay Matthews was joking around. So let's not, I mean, the guy just, see, this is what's bothering me. Packer fans are, maybe it's just because I haven't been on social media my whole life, or at least Twitter or whatever. So I didn't realize how vitriolic Packer... Maybe it's just Twitter Packer fans. I don't know. But I just get this sort of us-against-Clay-Matthews feel that I don't want to happen. The guy made a joke. Lighten up. I mean, I'm, I'm with you if we're saying we're not going to retire your number or, you know... I'm with you. But let's not go too far down the disrespect train. Down the, you know, down the train, that thing... Let's let's show the guy at least a little bit of respect. I mean, I, look, I could understand from his standpoint why that would kind of hurt a little bit. It's a kind of a question of what did Clay Matthews mean to the team, and then it's kind of like, well, he's gone, give away his number, who cares, move on. It would kind of be like a, whoa, ouch, a little bit, I guess. So I could see that, but it seems like he's taking it fine. He, you know, he threw LOL at the end. It's kind of like that stings, but, you know, whatever, they're moving on, I got to move on. But at the same time, we could also read that as if he is hurt by that, that's kind of a good thing. Not that he's hurt, but the fact that he cares enough to be hurt, that it means something to him that he was a Packer for so long. And and the fact that he cares about the organization, cares about the fans and everything else, and all the fans do is go, oh, you're such a loser, you're so, you know, stop being a crybaby, get out of my face. I mean, this, this, 
this guy's a, a Packers legend that played with this team for a very long time and, and for a period of time was one of the better pass rushers in the NFL. I mean, I jeez. I, I, I tend to think of myself as a relatively cold-hearted person, and I tend to think of things more analytically than emotionally, but dude, lighten up. Take it easy on the guy, all right? Clay Matthews didn't make a big deal about it. The team didn't make a big deal about it. Rashawn Gary didn't make a big deal about it. Fans are making a big deal about it. And they want to come out and just smash Clay Matthews' face in for some reason. And it's just, man, sometimes some people, man, I swear. But in general, I think if I were to start a team today, there would be no retiring numbers ever. I don't care who you are. I would not have retired Bart Starr's number, Brett Favre's number, Ray Nitschke's number. I don't care who you are, you know, Herb Adderley, I, you know, Don Hudson, go ahead and name whatever legendary player. I'm not retiring anybody's number because I'm just not playing that game. I'll hang your number from a rafter somewhere to talk about how great you were. I'm just not playing that game. I mean, and I, and I think it's just my, again, the whole analytical thing as opposed to emotional thing. Because emotionally, you look at it and go, oh, yeah, you never want anyone to wear that number again. Analytically, I'm looking at it going, only got 99 numbers, man. Unless you want to include zero, we've only got 99 of them. You, you kind of worry about running out, especially when we say you as a quarterback can only wear this range. You as a wide receiver can only wear this range. You, you start running out kind of quick. I don't want to run out. Right, we've we've got ninety man rosters. We gotta hand out numbers. I mean, I I suppose I think when it's ninety nine, you can have. I don't know. Can you have duplicate? I don't know. I mean, when it's ninety man, somebody has to have duplicates because if it's ninety and we got ninety nine numbers to play with, and you've got more than nine people retired, I mean, I can do math. I think I can. It's the simple math that's the hardest sometimes. Beyond that, you get to this point where you have to draw a line somewhere, and it's never going to be a good line. It's the same with the Hall of Fame. Like, well, we got to draw a line somewhere. Well, yeah, but that's not fair. What about this guy? Isn't he great? What are you saying about this? And everything's about hurt feelings all the time. Are you saying he's not great? Of course he's great. Well, then why don't you retire his number? I don't know, man, because we need a couple left. Oh, why well, you retired this guy's number. What has he ever done? Look at his stats. Look at... I'm just not playing that game. Get out of my face. Fine, I'm not hanging anybody's number from the rafters either. He's got a Wikipedia page. Go look him up. Go, go you know... Print it out and rub the pages all over your face and your body. I don't, I don't care what you want to do to, to memorialize the guy. Just get out of my face. It's nice in theory, but it just leads to just nonsense all the time. It's just a number, man. It's, it's an ID. It's how we recognize you. And I, I'm pretty sure Bart Starr isn't going to be playing anytime soon. There shouldn't be any confusion. I don't think Brett Favre's coming back. I think we're good. It's just this weird kind of emotional thing. Like, well, you'll never live up to that again. Not trying to. I'm just trying to give a guy a number so that he can go out there and be identified on the field by the referees and the the stat bean counters up in the the little window seats up there because they can't read the name but they can read a number. All right? Can we just get past the whole hill? Never. I'm not saying he's gonna be. I'm not giving him Star's jersey with Star on the back, saying he's the new Star. And it, nobody's saying that. It's just a number. Grow up. Who cares? It's like this weird sci-fi movie where if you give them the number, their soul transfers to your body. And we don't want to give up this guy's soul. He was a really good football player. I mean, you can take a bunch of other garbage or, you know, elite players that aren't, you know, transformative to the franchise. You can take their soul, but just not not these six guys. Just a number. Relax. And that's why you get reactions like that from Clay, because, you know, the, the number means something. Because we make it a thing, right? 
you wear the same number from college or you wear this because it may, it's a part of who you are. No, man, just a number. I know it's going to be there at some and, and that's the thing. I, I'm not saying you can't have this kind of emotional thing, but you have to have some understanding logically that it is just a number. And that has to take over when your emotions get out of control. You know the whole follow your heart thing? It's dumb. Don't listen to anybody that tells you that. You can let your heart walk you around as much as you want so long as your brain's there babysitting. Right? It's it's follow your heart or, you know, in this context the whole emotion thing. It's fine like it's fine to let your kid roam around the living room. It's fine if you got a little 1 2 year old roaming around, you can let them crawl on the floor so long as you're watching them and within one half a step because the first thing they're going to do when they find a choking object is stick it in their throat. So you got to be there to rip it out of their hands before they can put it in their throat because that's all they want to do when they're little is is try to choke themselves. Like it's just a a a, a need for a 1 year old is hey, I, how can I suffocate today? So follow your heart, but your brain better be like a half a step behind ready to rip stuff out of your throat hole. Does that make sense? (laughs) Perfect analogy, moving on. Putting that on a t-shirt. The whole thing, like that whole four paragraphs. It's going to be small font. All right, here's another comment out of the Facebook group. This one's from Sonny. It says, bold prediction, Jay Sternberger gets five touchdowns. I, you know, again... Super biased because I'm a big Jay Sternberger fan. I would I would take the over on that. I know. So here here's the problem with me being super optimistic. So I'll, I'll take the pessimistic route first. He's going to start low on the totem pole because we have veterans. And I see. And this is going to be kind of an interesting thing to watch as the season goes on because we all know what Mike McCarthy would do. Mike McCarthy would have the veterans out there because they're the veterans, and. Um, you know, Jace would kind of be third man on the totem pole, even if he's the best. Right? We saw that all the time where we had better undrafted free agent corners than we had starting corners. But this guy's a first round pick. This guy's a second round pick. So they're going to be on the field, 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 even though they're terrible. I thought I said field wrong for some reason. I, I don't know. It's a weird situation there it's on the field. I'm sorry. I mean field. Oh boy. But what would be nice, and I'm going to go ahead and, and stick with my over on this. Because I'm going to say that Matt LaFleur is going to handle that a little bit differently, especially now that he has complete control over the offense. We saw Mike Patton basically say, I don't care when you drafted Josh Jones, I don't want him on the field. Interesting move, but again, kind of refreshing, even though I didn't necessarily agree with it because I'm not a big Kentrell Bryce fan. It was nice to see him say, I don't care. I want the best players out there for my defense, and he put the best players out there. If LaFleur takes a similar approach... And Jimmy Graham isn't heads and tails better than he was. And Jay Sternberger is as good as I hope and think and pray that he is. Because really, he's just in competition with um, Jimmy Graham. I mean, you know, Mercedes Lewis kind of to a point. But if it comes down to we need a tight end out there to go run routes, he's not really competing with, um, with Mercedes Lewis. So, yeah, you know... Again, the hard part about the five touchdowns thing is I don't I don't care how pragmatic you are. Jimmy Graham's going to start. He's going to be the top guy, and it's going to be a progression. It's just a matter of how quickly does Jay Sternberger take over, and does he at all. So there's several obstacles to get above that five-touchdown mark. We know Jimmy Graham's going to start week one. We know Jay Sternberger's going to slowly get worked in, but it, we don't know to what pace and to how quickly and to what percentage and all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing. If Jay Sternberger is as good as I think he can be as a receiver, right? I'm not talking about overall blocking, all that kind of stuff. I'm just talking about reliable receiver. And I'm also factoring in the fact that I think he has a good opportunity to be the number two receiver on this team. 
I mean, legitimately. I mean, if, if he's as good of a receiver, and, and he, you know, he's, he's a different position, so, you know, maybe he's not as good of a wide receiver. Like, if we split him out, I would take any wide receiver we have over Jay Sternberger. I'm talking about him as a tight end going up against linebackers. I'm talking about being a reliable target for Aaron Rodgers. If he can do that and run all kinds of routes and, and get open and tear up these zone defenses that are trying to defend against Lafleur and becomes a reliable target, I'm sorry, Jimmy. It's, it's, it's time to move on. You know, I'm sure he has a role somewhere, somehow, but I, I, you know, I don't see any way Lafleur keeps him off the field. Now, as far as five touchdowns goes, again, it also comes down to how much playing time is he going to get over 16 seasons, and what is his competition? Devontae's going to be the guy. He's going to have the most touchdowns. He's going to have all this stuff. But let's just say, here's the other way to look at this. Let's say Aaron Rodgers has another good year, and he has 40 touchdowns or more. Let's just call it 40. Where do they go? Even if Devontae gets 15 we got 25 touchdowns to hand out. That's still kind of a lot. And if we assume Jay Sternberger is the receiving tight end, that means he's going to be on the field, you know, running routes about as much as, as anyone else. And, and if you look at Lafleur and his, the way he runs packages, it's probably going to be more two tight end than three wide receiver. So you could have Jimmy Graham and Jay Sternberger or Mercedes Lewis as a blocking guy and Jay Sternberger as a receiving guy. And the, then again, the point is, if we're trying to distribute those 40 touchdowns, you know, how far down the wide receiver train are we willing to go? Why do I keep saying, what is with train today? Why, why is everything a train? I've, I don't see, I haven't seen a train. I don't know what's going on. But how far down that depth chart are you going to go at wide receiver? Like, is Equinemius and Marquez and Geronimo, are they all going to get five, six, seven touchdowns? No, I mean, maybe the, the guy that's spending the most time at number two, whether it's Marquez, Geronimo, you know, one of them might end up getting like eight touchdowns. But where do the rest go? You know, the, the second wide receiver gets, what, five? So we're at like 28. There's still a bunch to go. And again, I'm, I'm operating on the assumption that by midseason, Jay Sternberger is our number. I, I would say at worst, if he is our number one receiving tight end, he's our third best receiver. And being that he's a tight end and he's a good receiver and he's a big-bodied guy, I, I I don't know. I don't think five touchdowns is all that unrealistic. Again, you can make a case against it, right? There's a lot of receivers. There's a lot of tight ends, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, again, if I had unlimited fake funny money to play with, I would probably take the over on that because I really do believe he's a very, very, very good receiver. Again, PFF had him as the number one receiving tight end in all of college football above Hawkinson, above Fant, above everybody. Very, very, very good route runner. Solid speed, great hands, smooth, uh, you know, great burst in and out of his breaks, all that stuff. All the stuff that you want in a receiver, he's got it. And I think LaFleur really wants a good tight end like Jay Sternberger. He got it. He's going to want to implement that into his offense. I think Aaron Rodgers really wants and likes tight ends and wants to have a reliable tight end. He can have, you know, he's got it now. It feels weird saying that he would just win the job outright over Jimmy Graham. And again, if Jimmy Graham can get back to even what he was in Seattle, that's going to hurt Jay Sternberger, especially in the, the red zone, because that's where Jimmy Graham kind of made his money. But if he's the same guy he was last year, Jimmy Graham is just not going to factor in very much. So, yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think five is a pretty good number to set it at. I'm going to go ahead and take the over. All right, we'll take our final break, and we'll get back into it. So another comment here from, or question this time from Sonny. This was also in the Facebook group. It was, who is your vote for Packers Rookie of the Year from this class? I really think it comes down to, well, I mean, you could argue several, but I'm going to kind of use process of elimination here. First of all, I'm going to make the cutoff at Jay Sternberger. Obviously, somebody after that could win, but I just, 
I don't really think so. You know, Kiki, it's going to be tough. I mean, just based on the amount of time he's going to get on the field. Uh, Kadar Holman, I mean, a six-round corner, pretty low likelihood. Dexter Williams, for a lot of reasons. I mean, he's the third guy on the on the depth chart, and I just don't think he really has it. And the only other guy is Ty Summers, who's probably just going to be a special teams guy. Hopefully he can work his way onto the starting roster and be a contributor as on the defense. Of course, he's going to be starting roster, but on the defense, I mean, but I mean special teams. So we're going to cut it off at Jay Sternberger. I'm going to eliminate Elton Jenkins because an offensive guard who I'm not even 100,000% positive is going to be our starting offensive guard this season. I hope he is. He better be. Uh, the Packers intend him to be, but, you know, who knows? But a, a guard's not going to win. I think Jace could be, but similarly tight end, I don't know, man. He, you know, rookie of the year is all about flashy stuff. Interceptions, sacks, touchdowns, you know, big plays, all that kind of stuff. I mean, Jace Sternberger would have to be like a top five tight end, you know, a, a Travis Kelsey type in order for that to be a thing, which, again, is possible. I'm, I'm, I don't want to get too hyped up on him. But if there's going to be a guy that's going to, you know, if you were to pick from this draft class, who's going to be the Travis Kelsey? I mean, most people would probably say Noah Fant, maybe a little bit TJ Hawkinson, but I don't think that's, you know, whatever. I think number three on that list would have to be Jay Sternberger. You can list some others because there's other good tight ends. But as a receiver, a guy that's going to be like a Zach Ertz, who's just going out catching footballs, who's going to be the thousand yard tight end in this draft class if there is one? Factor in that Noah Fant is a Bronco. And answer the question again: Who's going to be the thousand-yard tight end in this class? With that said, though, if I'm if I'm you know putting money down, I don't think it's going to be a tight end that wins it. I think he's going to have some competition. I don't know that he's going to start right away, or at least you know be the starter. He's going to be number three and then number two, and then maybe work hopefully work his way up. Plus, there's a lot of people to get the ball distributed to, so I, I would say it's probably not him. So it would really come down to Darnell Savage and Rashawn Gary. You probably all know already what I'm going to say, but allow me to sort of elaborate. I do like Rashawn Gary, and I think he's going to face a role. And, and I, you know, if you look at some of the answers in the Facebook group, it's kind of like, well, Rashawn Gary is a physical freak, and he's going to be a pass rusher, so his ability to get, you know, double-digit sacks or whatever is evident. And he's not going to be getting double teams anymore, so, I mean, he could be that guy for sure. The problem is I, I, I see, I don't know that I see Rashawn Gary as being that kind of a guy. And I, you know, I know double-digit sacks is sort of a, a random, not necessary number or, you know, line in the sand. But I, I just, I don't know that he's necessarily going to be that guy. I think he does a lot for this team and for this defense. But, uh, you know, I, I think Packer fans in general are, are looking for just a sack guy. Like, that's all we care about a lot of times. And, that, you know, football fans in general, it's, it's all about the sacks. And I think if it was all about the sacks, we could have went out and got a guy like Brian Burns. Because I, if I had to guess... Here's how I would break it down. If I had to pick who's going to be the better player between Rashawn Gary and Brian Burns, I would say Rashawn Gary and kind of buy a lot. If you said only one of these two guys is going to get 12 sacks on the season, who's it going to be? I would say Brian Burns, which seems counterintuitive, but it's not. And it's sort of what I talked about yesterday, where it's the amount of things that he can do and the versatility that he provides and the problems that he causes. Brett Coleman said it oh so eloquently although I kind of have to translate it, but basically, and he was relaying this from somebody else, but Rashawn Gary led, you know, the the Big Ten in, you know, messed the play up stat. Because he, you know, offenses like defenses have schemes and they have, it's like a little, you know, it's like a play. 
and everybody has to do this, and it's synchronized and all this stuff. And if you got a guy that just goes in there and blows it up, it it ruins the whole play. And now you got to improvise, and now you got to try to make stuff work, and your your screenplay's all jacked up, and guys aren't where they're supposed to be. That's Rashawn Gary. You know, it, another thing Brett Coleman talked about. Just you know, these are all random like individual examples. But you put him inside, you have him basically blow up the guard, and then you can take an outside guy and stunt him to the inside. And there's just a massive hole that he can run through. Right? These are all the little things that Brian Burns can't do. Or if we want to go macro, we could just say run defense. Rashawn Gary is going to be better against the run than Brian Burns is. But again, if I'm going to pick somebody to be, you know, player of the year, rookie of the year, whatever, again, I'm, I'm looking at the two guys, and I, I would say, I, you know, even between Gary and Burns, is I would probably pick Burns because Burns is going to be a sack guy. Rashawn Gary is going to be a good football player. And when we're kind of doing all this voting stuff, you know, the reason you're not going to see a guard win, even though a guard could be better than a pass rusher, is because guards don't do anything cool and pass rushers get sacks, and that's cool. That brings me to Darnell Savage. Not only do I think he has a very good chance of being the best player of this group, but I think it has the best chance of being, you know, the most optically appealing, the guy that gets all the highlights, because not only is he going to be a massive benefit, he's going to be similar to Rashawn Gary, where teams are... are trying to keep an eye, you know, they throw away from him, that kind of stuff, which Darnell Savage is going to be the reason for it without getting the credit for it. But I also think he's going to be one of the guys that I wouldn't be surprised if he leads the team in picks. And that's the kind of stuff that's going to win you rookie of the year, is doing all that kind of craziness. You know, I mean, he's a decent enough tackler, so he's, he's going to have he's going to have the stats. He's going to have tackles, you know, especially when you factor in the speed. I don't think he's the greatest tackler in the world. I shouldn't say he's a bad tackler. It's not that he's a bad tackler. He's just not super, super physical, and I can see guys breaking through him. But I think he's a good tackler. I don't see him completely whiffing on guys. But you factor in the speed and his ability to get to the guy means he's going to have a lot of tackles. If you look at his speed as far as getting behind the line of scrimmage, I think he's going to have a lot of tackles behind the line of scrimmage because speed plays a massive role in that. And then you t- take into account the pass breakups and the picks. I just think he's he, he's the kind of guy that's going to rack up a lot of stats on top of being a good football player. He's going to have the optics, and that's going to make him the prime candidate to be rookie of the year if I had to pick one. So anyways, I'm going to cut it off right there. Thanks for all the questions, and thank you for everybody participating in the Facebook group. Um, that's just a small sample size of what's going on in the group. Uh, like I said, be sure you get in there and um, get to know the peeps. Otherwise, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.